the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Says if anyone wishes to come after me, he has to deny himself. Take up the cross and follow me. Because if you wish to save your life, you'll lose it. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilbert. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, log on to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. Do we obey God's commandments as we know them in his word that he's revealed to us, that he says he's written upon the fleshly tablets of our hearts? Do we keep his commandments? Do we do that? Do we obey the truth of his word? Can that be said about us as we live in this dark culture that we live in? Do we obey the law of God to the point of changing our current lifestyle? Because we realize, man, there's something in my lifestyle that's not jiving with what God has in his word. See, even if it's in opposition to our surrounding culture, are we willing to change? Because, uh, you know, our culture's like, oh, no, this is okay now. Well, who says it's okay? Well, we, we pass laws to say it's okay now. Well, yeah, but it, it conflicts with what God's word says. So where are you going to stand? Are you going to go on culture side? Or are you going to go on God's word side? Where are you going to stand there? See, if the answer is, I'm going to go on God's word side, well, you're a true believer then, see? Then we can expect the same blessing then that God has given to all those throughout the history of humanity to those that obey him. Yet, if we only obey what's convenient, like progressive Christianity does now, oh, progressive Christianity is like, well, you know, I believe God's word. I'm a Christian, but I don't believe in that. Well, you know, I don't believe in this. And Well, you know, our culture's changed now, and, you know, that's no longer, you know, tolerant now. It's like, uh, excuse me? It's like, no. God's word never changes. What was sin 2,500 years ago? Guess what? It's still sin today. It, nothing changes there. And so where are you going to be on that? See, are you going to be on God's side? Or are you going to go on culture side? Because if you go on culture side, then obviously you're not going to see the blessing hand of God unfold in your life. This is why we must deny ourselves. That's what the Bible says, right? It says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he has to deny himself. Take up the cross and follow me. Because if you wish to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, well, then you'll find it. What does a man or woman profit if they were to gain the whole world and yet forfeit or lose their own soul? Yes, we have to deny ourselves. We have to deny what we think is right. Who cares what we think is right? What God says, that's what's right. Who cares what our desires are? It's what God desires. For that which God desires in us is to do what? 
It's to have his word not be compromised in the world that we live in. Yes, we need to rise up to this high calling that God has given to us in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's when we can find our true purpose that he's established for us. That, get this, is why we were created in the first place. It's to be used of God. To be used of God. It's amazing to me, everywhere I go, I still invite people to come to the church. I want people to know that they can have this relationship with God. That's what he desires in all of our lives. Which brings up our point. A mistake we made as we continue now in our study through the book of Genesis. Picking up in Genesis 26, verse 6, it says, So Isaac lived in Gerar. Uh, and when the men of the place asked about his wife, he said, uh, she is my sister. Ooh, didn't his dad do that before? She is my sister. For he was afraid to say my wife, thinking the men of the place might kill him on account of Rebekah, for she is beautiful. It came about when he had been there a long time that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out through a window and saw, and behold, Isaac was caressing his wife, Rebekah. Ooh, la, la. Verse 9, then Abimelech called Isaac and said, behold, certainly she she, she is your wife. How then did you say she is my sister? And Isaac said to him, because I said I might die in account of her, you know, and Abimelech said, well, what is this that you have done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech charged all the people saying, he who touches this man, Isaac's wife, shall surely be put to death. Now, Isaac sowed in the land and he reaped in the same year a hundredfold. Wow, God's blessing this guy big time. And the Lord blessed him. Verse 13, and the man became rich. Isaac became rich, and he continued to grow richer until he became very wealthy. For he had possessions of flocks and herds and in his great household, so that the Philistines envied him. Now all the wells of his father, that's Abraham's father's servants that had dug in the days of Abraham, he says the Philistines, they stopped them up by filling them up with earth. Now I don't know why they did that, but nonetheless they did. Verse 16, then Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us, for you are too powerful for us. And Isaac departed, and the wells of water which had been dug in the days of his father Abraham, for the Philistines stopped them up. Uh, after the death of Abraham, and he gave them the same names which the, uh, his father had given them. Verse 19, but when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and they found a well flowing with water, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with the herdsmen of Isaac saying, well, the water is ours, it's mine. And so he named the well, you know, Esek, you know, because they contended with him. And then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one too. So he named it, you know, Sitna. Uh, Then he moved away from there, and he dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he named it Rehoboth. And for he said, at last the Lord has made room for us, and we will be fruitful in the land. Wow, you're already fruitful. You went from having a little to having a lot to being completely wealthy. Wow. 
Well, anyway, that's a lot of text to read. It's a mouthful. But first, let's break it down here. Uh, We have Isaac. He's moving to the Philistines, right next to the Philistines here, uh, who were inhabiting the land of Canaan that God has already given to Isaac. And since his wife, Rebekah, was drop-dead gorgeous, beautiful, his heart was filled with fear because he's thinking, man, someone's going to look at my beautiful, knock-down, gorgeous fox wife, and they're going to knock me off and take her. So he goes to protect himself. Okay, But where does that leave your wife? It left your wife open, and it left her vulnerable. You know, all of us men here, God has called us to be the heart protector of our wives. He's called us to protect them, to watch over them. You know, sometimes, you know, we can get in an argument with our wife. Maybe we're talking with some guys at work. Maybe you're talking to your parents or whatever, and you kind of throw your wife under the bus. Yeah, she's a nut. You know, I can't believe she said this, and my wife did this, and my wife did that. And and then all of a sudden, you know, couple days go by, you guys make up and everything, but you spewed all of that trash. Think about all the trash you spewed. So now the next time someone sees your wife, it's like, oh, she's a nut. She did this. She did that. Or, you know, you're, you're telling your parents or, you know, this goes for you wives too, you know, because you can get on the phone with your mom. Oh, mom, he's such a hairy beast. He did this. He did that. I just, I hate him. It's like this. And then you forgive him and you guys move on, but you had already throwing your husband under the bus. Then the next time you're at the Thanksgiving dinner, like we just had, you know, or the next time you're at Christmas, you're looking, oh, there's a hairy beast. He threw my little baby under the bus. You know, it's like, oh, and you're like, ah, we need to be the heart protectors of our husbands and our wives. We need to watch over. We need to be each other's heart protectors here. That's what needs to happen. And by Isaac protecting his own self like his dad Abraham did with his mom Sarah, you know, it left his wife vulnerable. Then in verse 8, the king looks out his window. Now, obviously, somehow Isaac was allowed to camp right next door to the king's house. And so the king sees, as he says in the King James Bible, Isaac showing endearment. But the New American Standard has a better translation of that Hebrew word. He was caressing his wife. He's being intimate with his wife. It's okay. They're married. They can do that. It's all right. That's what he's doing. But, hey, they're getting intimate. And the king said, whoa, whoa, obviously that's not your sister. Okay. And he rebukes Isaac just again like Pharaoh did with Abraham Abraham was rebuked not once, but twice for the same lie. Yes, the king was saying, one of us could have laid with your wife. Man, some man could have came in because your wife is drop-dead gorgeous. He says, man, you would have you brought guilt upon us here. But, you know, then again, you know, God put the fear of harming Isaac into you know, the king's heart here. So he told all the people, anyone touches this man's wife, man, you're going to get totally hosed by me personally, and you'll be put to death. So then God pours out his blessing on Isaac even more because, again, Isaac had a heart that wanted to please God inside. 
See, that's who God blesses. It's not like what the faith people teach. It's like, yes, just name it and claim it. In the name of Jesus, you know, we claim this. It's like, no, how about living a life that's in obedient to God, walking with him in an uncompromised fashion? How about that for living a life and being blessed? Because that's what God blesses. And that's why it says in verse 13, it says, Isaac became now a wealthy man. He became a wealthy man. God had poured it out on him so much so that it's like you could not even count it anymore. Yes, the king realized that Isaac was a godly man. So that's why he stood for him and he did what he did. So, so much so that he was now envied to the point that they had to send him away. He was now becoming a distraction to all the people in that kingdom because he was so wealthy. People were jealous of Isaac. And now they dug a well in verse 22, and he called it Rehoboth, which means that God had made room for them. And it's like God will always make room for us when we are following him. He will always do that. But what can we learn through all of this? Well, I'm sure an awful lot, to say the least. Uh, For we see that Isaac made mistakes, right? Because he's human. We all make mistakes. It's like every one of us make mistakes. Isaac wasn't perfect, just like we are not perfect either. Yet in the midst of all of his imperfections, the obvious thrust of Isaac's life was to please the Lord. He obeyed God's commandments. He obeyed God's statutes, and that led to God's hand of total blessing. I have seen this happen in my own life. I have always tried to put the Lord first in my life. And when I've sinned, I've always tried to be quick about repenting of my sin. Yes, I am saved by the grace and the mercy of God. But I also desire to live my life in a way that people can look into my eyes and no longer see me, but see Jesus living inside of me. And I have seen the hand of God's blessing unfold on me and my wife. I don't deserve anything, yet God has been so kind to my wife and I. I mean, we started with nothing. We had a green beanbag chair. You know, we watched the black and white little used TV. We ate on the floor on a cardboard box turned upside down. But yet God has, you know, been so gracious to us. I wonder what God desires to unfold in your life. What does God desire to unfold in your life. I wonder what blessings he has in store for each one of you. But I also wonder this, what blessings will never, ever happen in your life because you are not willing to live in accordance with God's commandments and his statutes? See, this is where the progressive Christianity, well, I only believe this part in, well, I don't believe that part in. No, you can't do that. This isn't like picking out options for your car. Do you want power windows? Do you want cruise control? Do you want air conditioning? Of course, it's like 100 degrees here in the summertime. Okay, listen, this is not like picking out options. You take the whole thing or nothing. It's all or nothing. That's what real Christianity is. You take the whole thing or nothing. 
What's it going to be for you? What blessings will never happen in your life because you are only believing a portion of God's word and not all of God's word? Or you are only living part of God's word and not all of it? You're only living according to the commandments and statutes that you agree with, but the ones that you don't agree with, oh, yeah, well, I don't agree with that. Yeah, well, I'm living uh, with my boyfriend or girlfriend or, uh, you know, this lifestyle, that lifestyle, or, you know, I like to, you know, party a little bit. I like to do, you know, it's like, listen, that's holding you back. You're not going to be able to be who God wants you to be. You're not going to be able to embrace what he wants you to embrace because you are only living part of it, not all of it. It's something to think about for sure because if you decide to change, Today could be a new day for you. Today could be a brand new day where all of a sudden it's like, you know know what? You're right. I've got to give up this lifestyle. I mean, it's like I've been convicted about the Holy Spirit. just been writing me on this. It's like, well, then give it up. Give it up today. Today, on this day, let it be a new day. Maybe it could be a new day and a whole new change for you. Let's read our text here as we pick up in Genesis 26. Picking up in verse 23, it says, Then he went up, this is Isaac, of course, went up there to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you, and I will bless you and multiply your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. So he built an altar there, and he called upon the name of the Lord, and he pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. Then Abimelech came to him from Gerar and his advisor, uh, Ahuza and Philicol, or whatever his name is there, the commander of the army. And Isaac said to them, why have you come to me since you guys hate me and you have sent me away, you know, from you? And they said, well, we see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So we said, let there now be an oath between us, even between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm just as we have not touched you and have done to you nothing but good and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. Wasn't that nice when all the heathens can see that and they just admit it like, dude, you're obviously blessed of the Lord. Verse 30, then he made them a feast, and they ate and they drank, and in the morning they arose early, and they exchanged oaths. Then Isaac sent them away, and they departed from him in peace. Now it came about in the same day that Isaac's servants came in and told him about the well which they had dug, and they said to him, we have found water. So he called it Sheba, Uh, therefore the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. Now, verse 34, he kind of makes a complete, you know, like just changing gears here. He says, and when Esau, their eldest son, was 40 years old, he married Judith, the daughter of Beri, the Hittite, and Basmath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. And they brought grief to Isaac and Rebekah. Wow. We'll stop there for a moment as we get ready to end here. Well, this chapter ends just pretty much where it started. God speaks to Isaac again a second time. I will multiply you and bless you. 
Notice the fruit of God's blessings in Isaac's life. King Abimelech comes out and he wants a peace covenant with Isaac. And what's it based on? It's completely based on the obvious blessing of God's hand on his life. He said in verse 28, we can plainly see the hand of the Lord on you. Can those around you, can they see the obvious blessing of God's hand in your life? Know this, there is power in a life that is lived for Christ. Some might say, there's no obvious power in my life. Well, maybe it's because you haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to shine in and through you. Jesus said this in Luke 24, 49. He says, and behold, this is after he rose again from the dead. And behold, I'm sending you forth the promise of my father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And then what happened? We know that in Acts 1.8, Jesus says, you know, I'm going to give you power. Power is going to come upon you. That, it's, it's a, that dunamis power, it's a Greek word dunamis. It's where we get our English word dynamite. Dynamite power will come upon you when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But no matter how many blessings there are in our lives, no matter how much God uses us on this side of heaven, which he wants to do greatly, but until we get to heaven, you got to understand, there's always going to be letdowns on this side of heaven. There's always going to be total disappointments. There's going to be heartbreaks that happen and shattered dreams. And the same goes for Isaac and Rebekah. For their eldest son here, Esau, goes out and he marries not one, but two women. And both of these women have something in common. They are both non-believers. He was unequally yoked, you could say. He married outside of his faith in God. And what effect did that have upon his mother and his father, Isaac and Rebekah? It says that it brought grief upon their hearts as parents. This is why Abraham had sent his servant out in the first place to find a wife for his son Isaac. And now his parents are completely grief-stricken. Yes, No matter what, it will never be heaven on earth. It's going to be heaven in heaven. And on earth, heartbreak will come in many forms. And if you're a parent and you have a child that's grown up now and they're not walking with the Lord, you know that pain inside. It's like a a sword going into your heart. It's like an ice pick into the spine. It's like bamboo under the finger. Well, you get the point. But, you know, it's just it's such a bummer because it's like you want, you want the best for your kids. And when you see them not walking with the Lord and making bad decisions, and then, you know, as you get older, you see the fruit of those bad decisions, and it only gets worse, and it gets worse, and it gets worse. And it's just it's, it brings grief upon your soul. But, you know, the good news is we have a Father that's in heaven, and he loves us. And he will always hold our tomorrows in his hand. And he will never leave us and never forsake us. And we have his promise that one day we will spend forever with him in heaven one day. And that's a long time, forever a long time. So until then, though, let's live our lives as much as conceivably possible in our life for the glory of God. 
So if you are facing any kind of heartbreak today, or you're filled with some kind of anxiety from your circumstances, but listen to what C.H. Spurgeon said when he said this quote, anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It only empties us of our strength. So don't let your heart be filled with fear because it's just going to empty today of whatever strength we have today. That's why the Bible says, you know, do not fear for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you for I am your God. I will uphold you and I will watch over you with my righteous right hand. So, you know, God says, don't fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilbur of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.